If you're able to stand with us this morning, uh, turn with us to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 2. 1 Samuel chapter number 2, and I do ask you to pray. We have got a number of people that are out sick. I don't know of a time that we've had so much sickness in the church, and I never say anything about that. In fact, when people come up and say, uh, Preacher, people's really sick, I always say, Shh, be quiet. You know why I say that? Because it's like when you talk about it, more people get sick. Amen. And you've always got people just sitting around. They, they just waiting to catch something, you know. And uh, they're just praying that they'll catch the latest virus or the latest. I don't pray for that stuff. Amen. I got to get up in the morning. Can I get a witness right there? And uh, But they get up on Monday. They just can't make it to church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And so I never give any attention to sickness. I pray for people when they're sick, but I don't get to make announcements like I did today. But there's so many people out sick, and so let's do pray for them and pray that God would help them and God would touch them. Amen. First uh, Samuel chapter number 2 and verse number 22. The Bible says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Let's bow for a word of prayer this morning, and then you can be seated. Our dear, loving, heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence this morning once again, Father, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for letting us be in church this morning. I'm glad there is a record. I'm glad that we can be trophies of the grace of God. Thank you for the songs about the blood this morning. And I pray that, Lord, you would bless this missionary family. I pray, God, that you would let them see many souls saved for the glory of God. And may the support come in very quickly, Lord. And we'll thank you for what you do in that. And we ask you now, Lord, to bless the reading of thy word. Speak to every heart. I pray, God, you touch the message and help us to receive the message this morning. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning on a subject that, I'll be honest with you, is not a subject I take no pleasure in preaching in whatsoever. It is a subject that I don't know that I've ever given a full message to the attention of this subject this morning, but yet I think it is one that in the day that we're living in, it's sad to say, but it's a time that we're living in when it has to be and must be dealt with. And I'm preaching this morning on this subject, the subject of sexual sins. Sexual sins. And that's what we find in this text this morning. The Bible says that Eli was very old and that he heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And what I notice about these boys here in this text is that they had little or very, they had very little or no raising at all. They was raised in the house of God. Eli was a man of God that was over the house of God. And I don't know what Eli's uh, motive was unless he just was haphazardly or casual about uh, raising his sons. Maybe he thought what a lot of other people thought that, well, just by them being in church and taking them to church, then uh, they're probably bound to turn out right 
right, but you know as well as I do that God never laid the responsibility of rearing children on the church. He raised it on the parents. Isn't that right? And being in a good church and being under good preaching and having the right kind of Bible is, is commendable, but it is not enough alone to raise your children for God. And I see that these children had very little, if any, raising at all. Not only that, but they had no restrictions. When God was speaking to Samuel in chapter number three, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said that God was going to curse the house of Eli forever because that Eli restrained not his children. Now every parent should hear me this morning and hear me well that you do not need to listen to the psychology and the education and the philosophers of this world that will convince you that whipping your children is not right or they'll try to teach you that you're being too rough or you're too hard or you need to counsel and you need to find out why they're doing what they're doing. I remind every young parent and every young couple here this morning that generations before you and I ever showed up, parents was whipping their children and never really asked why. They just told them and it was expected that for them to do what they were supposed to do. But we live in such a psychological day when if there's a reason for everything. And can I just tell you what was wrong with these boys was their daddy never whipped them. Amen. Their daddy never restrained them. He just let them do and just go as they please. Why even in this text when they're committing heinous sins, notice that Eli, Eli comes to them in verse number 23 and he really doesn't deal with them but he just says why do you such things? Now I want to tell you something. What Eli should have done was more than question his boys. Amen. He should have dealt with his children and they're grown men probably no doubt at this time but yet Eli should have dealt with them because Eli should not have let sin go on in the house of God. But that's the day that we're living in when a lot of times parents want to know why their children did what they're doing. Can I tell you why? Because they live in a sinful body. Because the lust of the flesh. Because that's the society. They have an Adamic nature. Those are all reasons why as to children do and young people do the things that they're doing. And I see that these boys were never restricted. They, they were never raised right. They had no respect. The Bible says that when Eli talked to them in verse number 25, he said, if one man sin against another, uh, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, notice this, they hearken not unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them. Brother Lady, these boys had done gone to the place that they wasn't going to listen to their father. Their mind was made up. They was going to do what they was going to do. And the Bible says God had already made his mind up too. There was judgment just waiting on these boys. Amen. Hey, young people, young adults, you better hear me well this morning. If you fall into sin, it may look like you're getting by, but the chapters of our life have not yet been written in completion. Amen. When you come to chapter two, these boys don't listen to their dad. They rebel against him and he was the man of God. So they're not just rebelling against their parent, but they're rebelling against their preacher. And they go on and just keep on living in sin and thinking they're going to get by with it. But do you realize it's not even two chapters later that God kills both of them and Eli because of the sexual sins that was happening in their home? Amen. It's a tragedy, but sexual sins are eating up our society and they're eating up even our churches today. 
Pastors are dealing with things that they never thought they would have to deal with. Parents are facing situations that they never dreamed that they would fear, uh, they would ever have to face. And can I tell you this morning, if you have young children sitting here, you better pray harder for your children than you have ever prayed for them in all of your life. You better live as clean as you can. You better have as many restrictions as you can. It's not a time to roll over. It's not a time to give in. And it's sure not a time to listen to the Oprah Winfrey's uh, and the Dr. Fields uh, of our day. It is a time, my friend, if you love your children, you better have some boundaries. You better have some accountability. You better have some high standards uh, in their life. If not, you're going to pay a high price for that. I'm telling you, I just see it all the time. And these boys had no respect. You know why they had no respect? They were not taught respect. Do you know how respect is taught? It's when a parent says, if you don't do that, I'm going to wear your tail out. Somebody say amen. Amen. I mean, that's just plain, but that's right. Amen. And I'm telling you where we should live in that day. And we need that in our homes once again. And these boys were never respected. Uh, they never had any respect. They never had any restrictions. They never had any racing. I find also they didn't have any remorse in verse 25. They just went on against their daddy's word as if it didn't mean anything. Hey, you young people, listen to me. If you don't listen to your parents, you're doing one thing. I guarantee you, you're, you're shortening your days. The Bible says in Proverbs 10 and verse 27, the Bible said the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The Bible said in Galatians, or I mean Ephesians chapter number six, he said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He said that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Go ahead and rebel against your parents. Go ahead and rebel against your mom. Go ahead and rebel against your dad. You're just cutting your days down here on this earth. You're just shortening them is all you're doing. Nobody gets by with anything. And these boys, my friend, uh, listen, they had no remorse and they had no remedy. The Bible said in verse number 25 and the latter part, because the Lord would slay them. I'm telling you this morning, sexual sins uh, will bring nothing but destruction and death into your life. I'm telling you, it will bring disease. It will bring deception. It will bring nothing, my friend, but discouragement. You can listen, live in sexual sins and think that you're gonna get by as these boys did only to find out to their surprise there come a payday. And when you and I commit sexual sins, if we live a lifestyle or if we commit that type of sin, friend, you mark her down, there is a payday for every sexual sin that you commit. Now, I want to think about this this morning concerning this subject. I want, to, I want us for just a moment, I want us to catalog some sexual sins that are running rampant today in our churches. I think that we need to deal with this. I think it should be dealt with in our society. Uh, the Bible talks about fornication. And fornication, my friend, is sex between uh, two people or at least one person that is not married. Amen? And we know that fornication is a sexual sin. The Bible talks much about that, and we'll mention it here in just a moment. Hey, you may be here this morning and not be married, but I want to tell you something. If you're not married, this is the will of God for your life. It is the will of God that you be pure when you walk down that wet aisle. Amen? It's, listen, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter, listen, what your friends think in the youth group or what your friends think down at the schoolhouse. Whatever, listen, your neighbors down the road think. I'm telling you, listen, if you're a young person this morning, and even if you're just a young adult that's never been married. I'm telling you, friend, God expects you uh, to be pure when you do get married. 
Fornication is an ungodly sin. The Bible says it's a sin against the Bible and it's a sin against the body, amen? And it's a sin against your bride that is to come or your bridegroom. And I'm telling you, friend, you've got to be careful. I believe that's why, uh, listen, young ladies have got to be careful how they carry themselves. Hey, they got to be careful how they conduct themselves. Young men should have some morality and character. They've got to be careful how they conduct themselves, how we communicate with each other, how we look at each other with our eyes, with our body language. Am I telling you the truth this morning? I'm telling you, listen, too many young people have fallen into the pit of sexual sins by committing fornication, thinking it's no big deal. Well, listen, listen, it's a big deal to God, amen? And there is judgment that comes on everyone that commits fornication and then adultery. And we know that the Bible catalogs adultery as sin. It's mentioned both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus preached against adultery in his first message. He tightened the reins when he said, whosoever looketh upon a woman hath committed adultery in it to lust after her. Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in his heart already. Jesus just raises the bar a little bit concerning this matter of adultery. And adultery is wicked. Adultery is sin. Listen, John the Baptist preached against adultery when he preached to Herod and he said it's not lawful that you have your brother's wife. I'm telling you, listen, God God's plan is one man and one woman for one lifetime, amen? And that's not man and man, that's man and woman. Somebody say amen to that. And brother, listen, adultery is a sexual sin. But oh, listen, it's got into the pulpits of our churches. It's got into our pews. Hey, listen, if God gave you a good wife, you ought to thank God for that every day. If God gave you a good husband, you ought to thank God for that every day. And you ought to look past, uh, uh, listen, just the everyday affairs of life and you are to learn to love that spouse that God gave you. Listen, you made a vow, I remind you, that says whether sickness or in health, whether richer or poor, whether, whether for better or worse, well, listen, until death do you part and God intends for you to keep that vow this morning. And adultery is when someone steps outside the, 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 the vows of marriage and takes another woman or another man as their wife, or as their, or not their wife, but as their affair. And I'm telling you, friend, it's sin, isn't it, this morning? And you would be amazed how much adultery is running rampant in our churches today. I'm not talking about lost people. Uh, we know that they commit that. But I'm talking about saved people that come to church. Uh, listen, friend, that's got a Roman eye that looks around. Maybe it's a man. Maybe it's a woman. Uh, maybe that's hunting uh, for some someone in the church house that they can hook up with. You say, preacher, things don't like that happen. Uh, like that happen. Listen, friend, if you believe that, you're crippled too high for crutches this morning. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, there has been people that has visited this church uh, that I have even had to go to and talk to them and say, listen, why are you here? Because they made other people in the church feel uncomfortable and all the while they were just looking for somebody to hook up. Now you can judge me if you want to this morning, but as a pastor, I'm not gonna sit back by and just let somebody come in and home wreck somebody else's life, amen? You say, what do you tell them? I tell them we love you, we wanna help you, but if you're coming and the only reason you're coming is to find somebody, then you need to paddle your canoe on down the road, on down the river somewhere else. Can I get a witness right there? You say, preacher, that's cruel. No, that's just protecting 
the homes, amen, and I, I'm telling you, friend, that's where we're living at today. Adultery, the Bible talks about homosexuality, and we know that sodomy is a big uh, big deal in our country today, partially because of our politicians that has favored, my friend, uh, the, listen, the sodomites of this day. Do you say, preacher, do you believe a sodomite can be saved? Sure, I believe they can be saved. I believe the gospel can save anybody. I believe the gospel did save. As the Bible said, so were some, uh, some of you, and friend, and listen, I believe you ought to keep on praying for those that have fallen into that sin. I dare say that probably everyone in this building, their life, their family has been touched by the sin of sodomy in some form or some fashion. And I think we have to have as much compassion upon them as what we do an adulterer or as what we do someone that's a fornicator. Because my friend, listen, it is a sexual sin and we ought to look past the sin and love the sinner. But at the same time, we cannot justify that kind of a lifestyle. We cannot, listen, uh, condone that. I don't care what the laws of the land say. The law of God calls it sin this morning. And I do believe it is a sin for a man and a man to live together. And my friend, to have a relationship with each other. I believe it's a sin for two women to have a relationship with each other. And by the way, I believe it's a sin for them to go to the same bathroom. Somebody say amen to that. Friend, listen, we are living in a perverted and a warped society when people are just willing to accept that. Amen. Now you can love people and not accept their lifestyle. But we live in a country that wants to make turn it out that if we don't accept something, then that means we don't love them, that we hate them, and that's not true. I don't believe, my friend, uh, that they ought to be killed. I don't believe that they ought to be uh, mistreated. But I'll tell you one thing, friend. I do believe uh, in the day that we're living in, we better preach against it. We better stand against it. Homosexuality is a sin. Listen, I believe that we ought to weep with people when their lives are touched by it. But I think we ought to preach harder against it now than ever because preaching against uh, lesbianism, preaching against, my friend, sodomy, these things, uh, uh, listen, it's the only thing that's going to ever get them right with God. And if there is a young person here this morning and you're flirting around with that, then you need to get right with God. You need to listen, get in this altar this morning because I'm telling you that's one of those seducing spirits uh, that the Bible spoke about in these last days. It'll shock you, the young people. That'll just try some things because it's popular with other young people. Friend, I'll tell you something, that's gross to me this morning. Can I get a witness on that? It's sick. And you're sick if you have reached a point where you're willing to flirt with that. You need to, you need to, listen, you need to get right with God. You need to ask God for help. You need to get away from people that's trying to pull you in that direction. Listen, you don't need to have conversations with people like that. Hey, you don't need to watch movies, amen, and all these different things that's on the television screen that wants to accept these sodomites and make them out as if it's okay. Friend, it's not okay. I don't care if it's a home decorating channel. I don't care, listen, if it, I don't care what it is this morning, I'm telling you, you should not accept the sin of sodomy on any level whatsoever. Because God calls it an abomination, friends. I'm talking about cataloging these sins. What about pornography this morning? Do you know that it is stated that 55% of the married men have watched pornography at some point in their marriage? And in 2007, we spent $20 billion on pornography. Is that not sad? But they say that we they say that since 2007 there's been 50% money spent less on pornography because there's so much free access to pornography now. 
The internet and, and all kinds of cell phones is open avenues uh, as to now that this sexual sin of pornography, and it is a sexual sin, by the way. You say, well, I didn't do anything. I just looked at some pictures. I'm going to tell you something, friend. In the eyes of God, that's as guilty as if you performed the very act. Amen? And there are people that will look at pornography, and then they'll go to church and read their Bible. Amen? And they'll go to church as if nothing is wrong. I dare say in a congregation this size that there are people sitting here that has probably looked at pornography even this week while we're speaking. And no doubt God is trying to get your attention. Hey, if you can't handle a cell phone, you need to get rid of it. Amen? I mean, you go back to a flip phone if you have to. Or listen, go back to using a pay phone if there is any. Go back to writing a letter if you have to. But I wouldn't hold on to something that would destroy my marriage, that would pervert my mind, that would run this risk of corrupting my children and ruining my testimony for the Lord. Pornography is a sin. And it's on our billboards. And it's everywhere we go. And as Christians, we've got to gird up the loins of our mind. We've got to protect our thought process. We've got to protect our eye and our ear gate as much as possible. We cannot put confidence in the flesh and say things like, well, I can handle it or I can take care of this or I'm not going to take it any further. Friend, listen, if you did, you'd be the first person in all of humanity that didn't. Amen? I'm telling you, friend, the flesh is weak and the flesh is wicked and the flesh will crave whatever you feed it. And friend, pornography is a sin this morning. You know how homes depart or how they break up? Men start looking at pictures and then all of a sudden they're not satisfied with their wife. Amen. That woman that takes care of your children, irons your clothes, washes your dirty laundry, that woman that's faithful and at home every night, that woman that goes to church with you on Sunday, you say, preacher, uh, listen, uh, you don't understand my case. No, you ought to be horsewhipped, amen? If you're gonna listen, look at pornography and listen, mistreat your wife, uh, you ought to get right with God about that. You ought to get everything out of your life that would ever, uh, listen, hinder you uh, from ever looking at something like that. You need accountability in your life. You need some people that'll hold Hold your feet to the fire so that you will do what's right. Friend, you say, preacher, why are you so passionate about it? Because I'm tired as a pastor of watching homes get ripped apart. I'm tired of watching people's lives be ripped apart. I'm tired of watching young people throw away their future because of sexual sin. I just think it's high time that somebody say something. Let's catalog these sins this morning. If you look at pornography, you should feel uncomfortable while I'm preaching. But you should, more so you should do something about it. I want to say this morning, there is the, the catalog of these sins, but I want to look at the cause of these sexual sins. Why do we have so many sexual sins? 50 years ago, the Andy Griffith Show was the number one television show in America. And you look at where we're at this morning, what people call entertainment today. You cannot watch the news without sex being put before others. That's the cause of, uh, of these sexual sin. There's so much access to it. Years ago, you had to go to certain places and you had to purchase things and there was shame. But now, you can just listen. You can sit in church and turn your cell phone on and type something in and just about see whatever you want to see. I'm telling you, friend, that's the cause of why we're dealing so much with these sins of today. You might be here and be gray-haired and say, uh, well, preacher, I don't have any problem with that. Thank God for that generation. But I'm telling you, and it's even got some of that generation 
generation too. But I want to tell you something. The generation that we're dealing with now is a whole different ball game, friend. They got so much access uh, through internet, through Instagram, through Facebook. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, through tabloids, uh, through billboards, uh, uh, through movies and Hollywood. Uh, it's, listen, sex is constantly being pumped in the minds. Uh, what about even video games? Uh, when they say statistically that 80% of most video games uh, have provocative language or profane language and provocative suggestions uh, and they have people that are half dressed uh, and parents will let their young people sit there and play hours upon hours of video games uh, saying well it's just a game. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. It may be just a game to you and it may be just a game to them but the devil it's real friend and he's coming through every avenue he can in these last days uh, to pump sex into the minds of our young people. I'm telling you, friend, we're in trouble today, aren't we? Sexual sins is at an all-time high. The cause is because of what's being put before us. I'm going to tell you the cause. It's even being encouraged in our school system when they encourage young people to practice safe sex. And listen, in our entertainment system, when they say that sex sells, that's why you can't watch a, a commercial about a vacuum cleaner without some sexual suggestion being put on it. That's why you can't watch Fox News uh, without some kind of, of woman being an anchor woman. I, I'm talking about sitting there half-dressed uh, I'm telling you, it's shameful, isn't it, friend? And now we come to the house of God. And I'm not talking about lost people. Don't misunderstand me. But now we come to the house of God. And people will wear, listen, women will wear low-cut uh, dresses. Uh, and they'll wear them real high above the knee. I'm just going to preach on everything this morning. And so you might as well just hold on for a few minutes. Uh, but I'm telling you, listen, if you're a Christian woman and you've got any character about you at all, you listen, you'll listen. You'll let that dress get above, amen the chest area and you'll get it below the bottom of the knee. Can I get a witness right there? And I'm not talking about standing up neither. I mean when you sit down. Somebody say amen. If you got to sit down and tug and pull, I mean we just need this kind of preaching folks. I hope you don't think I'm being mean but I sure ain't going to apologize about it. We need this. I'm telling you I don't want this in the church. Do you? I'm not talking, listen, I want lost people to come any way they can come. But there ought to be some morality in the house of God. I'm telling you, if you've got to come and sit there and tug and pull, shameful thing is nobody tugs and pulls anymore. They just sit down and bear all anymore. I'm telling you, friend, that's a disgrace. Uh, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Uh, listen, listen, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're saved this morning, then you ought to put some clothes on and you ought to cover your flesh. Amen. You know, a woman that is got any decency about her at all, does not want other men looking at her body. And she sure doesn't want Christian men looking at her body. But the Bible talks about in Proverbs a strange woman. It talks about an evil woman. It talks about a virtuous woman. And it talks about a whorish woman. And friend, you can classify yourself this morning as to where you fall into that category. But the Bible said that a strange woman is known by her eyes. She likes to look into other men's eyes. She likes to send messages with her eyes. A whorish woman is known by her attire. She just won't put enough clothes on. She's all the time showing something. She's all the time pushing the limits. I know it's quiet, but I'm telling you, friend, it, listen, I, I, if I lost 10 people this morning, I don't want to lose nobody, but I'm going to preach the truth, amen? I'm telling you, if this offends you, there's only one reason why this bothers you, and that's because you're guilty of it this morning. God, help us. When we're not ashamed of our, to show our nakedness anymore. 
uh, in the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament, nakedness is seen as a as a form of, uh, of sinfulness and shamefulness. And I know that marriage is, is undefiled and, and, and that, that the Bible talks about that the marriage in the bed is undefiled between two married people. And that is God's union. And that is God's will. And I understand that. And the Bible teaches that in 2 Corinthians. Uh, but my friend, I'm not talking about married people. I'm talking, people that will, talking about people that will parade their flesh in public that have no embarrassment about showing. Listen, they'll wear short skirts. They'll wear low-cut dresses or low-cut blouses. Hey, some people's got more cracks and crevices showing than a 40-year-old sidewalk, friend. And I'm telling you, listen, there ought to be some shame and there ought to be some distress. You say, preacher, you ought not say that. No, you ought not dress like that so that I don't have to say that. Amen? Friend, you ought to have some decency about the way that you dress yourself. And it's not just showing the flesh, but it's not covering the flesh. Well. See, just because you've got a dress that goes to your ankles doesn't mean you're dressed right. Well, I'm telling you, I'm a man, and I know this. Don't wear something people can see through. Amen. Hey, you ladies, look at me this morning. It ain't time to pray neither, amen. Slip it and double slip it if you have to. I'm a man, and I know that. I've never put a slip on in my life and you're never going to get one on me neither, by the way. But I never, even as a man, I know that if something is thin material, if one slip don't get the job done, you either need to double slip it or you need to take it back to the department store. Somebody say amen to that. I'm telling you, you know why? Because as a as a Christian man, and I'm not telling you, listen, I've got to, listen, I live in a fleshly mind just like everybody else. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've not had impure thoughts because I battle and everybody battles that. But what I don't need to do is come to church, amen? And people I go to church with uh, put thoughts in my mind, amen? And you say, well, preacher, you ought not be thinking there. You ought not take my mind to that point, amen? And so it is with men as well. Men ought to button their shirts up. Somebody say it. Man, your clothes ought to be long. They ought to be loose, amen? And they ought to be fitting to your body. Isn't that right? Well, it is what it is, ain't it, Brother David? I see some of these clothes. I'm telling you, as the old saying is, Brother Charles, I know you've heard this. If they had a quarter in their back pockets, you could tell if it was heads or tails, couldn't you? I'm telling you. Scares me to death some of the things I see people wear. Miss Cape, it's so tight. I'm telling you, if a fly landed on them, I'm afraid it's going to just blow all the pieces on them. They look like they've been, listen, melted down and poured into what they're wearing. And I don't care if it goes to your ankles, friend. Listen, uh, you say, well, you expect everybody just to, uh, just to wear a sackcloth? No, I'm telling you what I do believe I expect. The Bible teaches here is your clothes should not call attention to your body. And you can dress in a, in a nice fashion, my friend, without drawing attention, especially to parts of your body. Can I get a witness right there? I'm telling you, friend, if you want to draw attention to parts of your body, then your mind is already perverted and in places it ought not be in. You say, Brother Gravely, uh, listen, I had no idea. Well, I'm telling you, friend, it's the society that we live in today and the society we live in today is people will wear whatever, anywhere they want to and never blush about what they're wearing. I think as Christians, we ought to come to church with one intention and that's to draw attention to him. I think you can wear a nice suit of clothes. I think you can wear a nice dress. I think you can look nice. I'm not against women. I think women ought to fix up. Amen. Nobody wants to marry an ugly woman. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, you say you're against makeup? No, I'm against cake up. Amen. 
I'm against girls that are 12 years old wearing enough makeup to paint a 57 Chevy, amen? And they look like they're, they're trying to be 16 years old. I'm telling you, you ought not let them wear makeup, uh, listen, until they get of age, amen? I'm, listen, I'm telling and then when they wear it, you better monitor it, amen? I'm telling you, they ought not look like a mannequin when they come in. They ought not, listen, they ought to be some decency about it. They ought to dress right. They ought to look right. These are just things that parents should be teaching so the preacher don't have to preach on them, amen? But the problem is, it's not just our young people. We got mamas and daddies dressing them this way. I see some men, they're 50 years old, and they're trying to dress like they're 20. What's wrong with that? I mean, your face don't match your clothing. Amen. Am I telling you the truth? I'm telling you, I was standing in a, a line not too long ago, and there's a woman standing in front of me. And Brother Caleb, I could tell she had to be, a, she had to be 90 years old. But she's trying to dress like she's 16. I'm telling you, that mini skirt wasn't nothing but a mean skirt. You know what I'm saying? I thought, woman, go put you some clothes on. Amen. This is just where we're at today. And we laugh about it. And some of it is funny. But at the same time, there are people sitting here this morning. You need to go home and go through your closet and clean out some things. Uh, you need to put some, you need to put some more garments on. Can I just put it like that? Uh, you need to dress in a timely fashion, uh, not worrying about the fashions of Hollywood and the fashion of this world because all of these are the causes of sexual sins of our day. Not only the cause, but can I say this, the condemnation of it. I want you to listen to what God says about these sins. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication is sin against his own body. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Now if you can kiss her without touching her, help yourself. Amen. Young people, I'm talking to all you boys. You can kiss that girl without touching her, help yourself, but the Bible said it's good not to touch a woman. Right. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband, not another one's husband, not another one's wife, amen, but let everyone have their own. First Corinthians or Galatians 5 and verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness. Jude chapter 1 and verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Exodus 20 and verse 14, the Bible says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. In Proverbs 6 and verse 32, But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Matthew 5 and verse 27, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 11, He saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her and if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another she committeth adultery in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 14 having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin beguile unstable souls and heart that, uh, that has exercised with covenant practices cursed children Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 24 the Bible says to keep thee from the evil woman from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman let's not 
not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the for the his precious wife or for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and in his clothes and not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he shall not spare in the day of judgment. Proverbs 2 and verse, verse number 16. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which, which flattereth with her words. You say, preacher, why did you read these scriptures? Because this is the condemnation that God puts on sexual sins this morning. Whether it's fornication, adultery, pornography, sodomy this morning, whatever the sin is today, God condemns those sins outside the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Amen? And what are the consequences of these sexual sins? I'll say this and be through. I want to say the consequences this morning is these things. It's a sin against the body. That's what the Bible says. When you sin, when you commit a sexual sin, you're sinning against your body. What does that mean? That means that God will curse that sin. That there will be a price to pay within the body for that sexual sin that you committed. Whether it's adultery, whether it's fornication, there is, sin, there is diseases. David no doubt contracted uh, a sexual uh, disease as he spoke about in the book of Psalms and you know that David committed a sexual sin and then it's a sin against the Bible. God makes it clear that you and I should not uh, commit adultery, fornication or any of these other types of sexual sins then it's a sin against our beloved. i tell you what you should think about the most if you're saved this morning. You don't have to raise your hand but if you claim to be saved and whether it's the sin of pornography, sodomy, adultery, fornication or any other sin sin. The thing you should ask yourself before you commit that sin is would Jesus be pleased with what I'm about to do? What would Christ think? Because if we're saved, then we're saying that as Christians that ultimately everything that we do, we do it for the honor and the glory of God. Would doing something as this, would it please God? Would looking on a cell phone or a computer screen when nobody's around, what would Jesus think about that? And if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside here. And so you take him everywhere you go. He sees what you see. He's present during the time of that sexual sin. Well, that's something we should think about this morning and that's a consequence that one day we'll have to stand before God and give an account of those sins that we have committed. I want to say this. It's a sin against the blessings of your parents and most of all the Lord. I'm telling you friend, God places a special blessing on people that honor their father and mother and he places one on people that honor him but he also puts a curse on those that dishonor. I think it was Oliver B. Green that made this statement. A great man of God, great preacher. Many of you have probably no doubt heard the statement where he said that I'll not live to be an old man because I did not honor my parents. And I think Oliver B. Green died at the age of 53 or 55 years of age, somewhere in that. He died a young man because he did not honor his parents. A great preacher, but he believed the Bible this morning. 
I'm talking about sexual sins. The hope this morning is this. There's a cleansing of those sins. Now there is consequences this morning. If a man commits adultery, he can be cleansed from that. Can I get a witness there? He can be forgiven and he can be cleansed. But don't think for one minute that he's not going to face consequences. He may never get his home back. His children. You say, well, preacher, is that in the Bible? Think about David. One of the greatest psalms that David ever wrote, Psalms 51, was in repentance over committing adultery and lying and murdering. And David found forgiveness. But the Bible says, people should remember this, the Bible says this. Nathan told him, he said, God has forgiven you, but the sword is never departing from your house. And I'm going to tell you something. That great man of God that wrote that great psalm who found great forgiveness, he turned around and the baby that he had prayed for and fasted died. Just a few days later, his other son rapes his own daughter and his other son takes that son's life and then that son tries to take the kingdom. The sword never departed. And David died with a disease in his loins because of sexual sins. Now here's something we don't hear much about. When people sin, and I'm for this, I'm for this this morning. When people sin, I'm all for forgiving them. I'm all for showing mercy. I think we should do that. We can't take away the consequences. And people want to take away the consequences. They want to go on as if it never even happened. That's impossible. That husband wants that relationship with that wife to be just like it was. But No, you need to think about it now before it happens. Rather than try to make it all want to be the way it was after. I preached a meeting this past year and there was a gentleman in that meeting that, and I won't go into the details of it, but I will say this. A few years ago, talking about a good man and talking about a great family too that had been in the ministry many years. He fell into this sin. And someone had told me about it. He didn't tell me about it, but someone else told me about it. And I was going to this meeting and he was there and, and I didn't say anything to him, didn't act like I knew anything. I wouldn't dare do that. But I noticed him the whole meeting. His head, he kept his head down the whole meeting. His wife and him worked things out. Things were, things were, you know, they were trying to get through the process of it. The children didn't know about it. But I watched him in church, how defeated he sat there. You know, it's been four years ago that that happened. But I saw him back this, this year again. He's still that same defeated person. You say, why is that, preacher? It's the consequences. Did he find forgiveness? Sure he did. Did his wife forgive him? Yes. Did the church show mercy on him and forgive him? Yes. But the reproach, remember the Bible says, is never taken away. Tonight or this morning, I don't want to live my life that way. And I'm not so foolish just to think that it couldn't be me. I'm telling you, I want as many boundaries and accountability in my life, Brother Daniel, as I can, but because it could be me tomorrow. The greatest fear that I have this morning in preaching this message is that, oh, wouldn't you know the devil would want to get me? And he could. And how well, the damage that could be done yes. 
after even preaching on something. You say, preach what I do? I pray every day, God, keep me. I'll keep accountability. I don't let myself be alone in places I don't need to be in. I don't go out of town and travel without somebody. If my wife can't go, I take somebody as ugly as brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. I take somebody with me, folks. I didn't mean to make a joke right there. That grieved me. I didn't mean... I, listen. I don't want to be any worse. I'm not supposed to be. Not because I'm spiritual. Because I'm flesh. And I need that accountability. You need that accountability. If I had something in my life that was tempting me, I don't care if it was a cell phone. I don't care what it was. It, it, I don't need it. And I know you young people think you can't live without a cell phone. I know. I want to tell you something. I lived, I lived many years... You lived a lot of years without a phone. You lived a lot of years without a phone. Right. Used two preachers preached on passing notes in church. Amen. Now it's unbelievable, ain't it? You can live without one if you, if you want to live for Jesus. If living for Jesus and protecting your home and your future and your purity means living without some devices until you get responsible enough, then I would do that. I wouldn't wait for my parents to come to me. I'll tell you what I'd do. I take that phone to them, or I take that computer to them. I take that television, that video game, and I'd give it to them. Well, what character that would be, That's Brother right. David, yeah. to say, I just ain't at a point in my life where I can handle this right now, and I really want to live for God. Do you know what God would do for you, young people? Can you imagine how much God would bless you for having that kind of, of, of devotion to serve Him? I'm telling you, there's honor and there's blessings. And I know I've been long, but I'm telling you, it's been a burden on my heart for months because I wonder sometimes if what hinders us isn't what lies below the surface as we stand this morning. If you need to come, would you come this morning? Coming to this altar doesn't mean that you have fallen into it. It just means that and maybe you have, and if you have, you need to come. Coming to this altar this morning could mean this morning, Lord, I just don't want to go there. I just need your help. Help my family, help my children, help my spouse. I just don't want to go there. I don't want to fall into that pit. Care enough if... If, if the Lord don't come because I'm given an invitation, but if, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, then for God's sake, don't stand there. Don't, don't leave yourself open to the devil. Get on this altar and ask God this morning to help you, to strengthen you. You say, I've not fallen into it, preacher. No, but if that temptation, if it's at the door, seeing life at the door this morning what about it today have no pride about it pride will surely drag you into that pit brother David's going to sing and while he sings this morning if you need to come you obey God this morning